Welcome back, everyone, to the Risk Intel Podcast, powered by SRA Watchtower, where we share risk intelligence with experts from across the banking industry. I'm your host, Ed Vincent, CEO at SRA Watchtower. Welcome to today's Risk Intel Podcast. Joining me today is Ian Maloney, Senior Vice President and Head of Policy and Regulatory Affairs at the American FinTech Council. Ian brings a unique combination of regulatory experience and perspective to AFC, having worn multiple policy hats in Washington, researched the fintech space in academia, and operated inside a Bass Bank. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate being here. Right. So let's let's look forward then now to, to 2024 here a little bit, right? We talked a bit about what we saw in 2023 and then maybe the 2024 impact of that. Let's look let's look forward uh to the 2024 regulatory landscape. Clearly, you guys are on, on the on the on the forefront here of you know these policy conversations. Um, do you have any visibility into you know, where regulators are are concentrating their efforts uh, at this point and where they're likely to spend their time in 2024? So I think beyond the third party and data privacy discussions, which, you know, those will continue into 24, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually excited about some of the, the regulatory agenda items that came out in, in the most recent unified regulatory agenda um, for BSA and AML reform. Both the prudential regulators as well as FinCEN have said that they're going to be pursuing rulemaking related to reforming customer due diligence. Uh, One of the big issues for us, and this is an area where regulatory modernization, it, it makes perfect sense. There's the requirement under the customer information program to actually collect the full social security number of an individual every time a bank engages in a, in a transaction. Now, through an exemption that that came out a number of years ago, credit cards were exempted from collecting the, the full social security number of an individual. However, when thinking about online lenders, they're not afforded that same exemption. And so we actually in 2023 brought this to the attention of FinCEN and the prudential regulators that this seems like a, an area where it doesn't necessarily make sense to have an exemption for one and not for the other. So we've been pushing for an exemption uh, for, or you know, if not an exemption, a, you know, a full rulemaking that would ultimately remove that requirement and allow uh, the online lenders to collect the last four of a social, and then also, you know, check that against the the credit reporting agencies and other other databases to make sure that that it's sufficiently clear that this is the individual you're working with, because ultimately, the intent of both Congress as well as the agencies when they came up with the CIP uh, with that program was to ensure that there was nothing that was uh, impractical or overly costly, overly burdensome for a financial institution to uh, put forth. And we're finding that from a usability standpoint, as well as a cost standpoint, this is uh, is hugely burdensome. So we wanted to make sure that there's there's an exemption there. And and I think overall, you know, customer due diligence and, and Bank Secrecy Act, looking at how old that piece of, of legislation and regulation is, could do with some some modernization. So that's that's one area. Um, a couple of others that are just off the top of my head uh, would be 
earned wage access. Uh, you know, this is a, a relatively new and, and innovative uh, financial product that allows consumers to actually access their earned wages. It's it's all in the title, right? They can access right. their earned wages as soon as as soon as they get them, as soon as they and they don't have to wait for the the two week or semi monthly or monthly uh, paycheck that may come. If they worked the hours, they can go and, and leverage a, an earned wage access provider uh, either through their, their employer or directly, you know, they can engage with them direct to consumer and actually get their wages. There's a free option. There's some with that have costs depending on how expedited it is. But there's for the entities that we're working with that are our members, there's always a free option. And I think, you know, it, it just it returns that that re reward to the, the work that you've done, it returns that back to what it was a uh, hundred years ago when it was piecemeal and, and focused on, you know, you did the work, now you get the pay. Um, so there's there's been a patchwork uh, regulatory environment. There's concerns around how things are sitting at the federal level as it relates to CFPB oversight. So I think in 2024, you're gonna see a lot more movement on EWA. And then lastly, kind of touching on, on data privacy again, but from a different angle, the Fair Credit Reporting Act reform that CFPB in 2023 issued uh, part of their advance notice uh, proposed rulemaking phase, they issued a Sabrifa small business panel and, and they're going to be issuing a report on how they're going to potentially expand uh, Fair Credit Reporting Act requirements and what that will all look like. So that's something I think maybe indirectly for the banks, but definitely directly for the fintechs to be considering and thinking about uh, in 2024. The earned, earned wage access one, right, is a really fascinating one to me, right? I think the people have this at this point have hopefully got got past the fact that, you know, this is not a loan. This is, this is right. It should not be regulated in, in that way. Um, and it really is bringing technology and innovation, which is right, shrinking timelines and right and and, and enabling transfers of funds in a in a more timely manner to a to a practice, as you said, right, that is, you know, you know, as, as old as as old as time, right? And so I think that all, all those, you know, all those concepts really resonate around that topic and the fact that right, we we are tackling this in a patchwork manner. Have tackled it in a patchwork manner. I know that right, you guys were were very involved in a couple of, in a number of states where they have made great headway in in, in this area. Uh, but bringing that up there to the federal level so that there is consistency certainly will make it easier for you know businesses which are operating in multiple multiple states right to understand how to navigate that landscape. Absolutely, and I, I think you you hit the nail on the head of that this EWA is, is not alone, should not be regulated as such. That's been our stance. You know, we actually took the CFPB's uh, advisory opinion from a, a couple of years ago and used that as sort of the baseline for understanding what responsible EWA looks like. We issued um, some standards that all of our companies adhere to uh, when they, they join AFC. And you know, in that there's there's no recourse. There's a focus on on no underwriting of of the individual. There's 
uh, you know, the, the focus on, on the free option and all of these things, you know, they don't exist within the, the lending space. They're not, that's, right. you know, right. ultimately, and there's, there's a larger, I think, more theoretical conversation that can be had around, is there a debt that's being created? And our position is that there is no debt that's being created uh, as it relates to the definitions of, of what a debt is under, you know, uh, under TILA for credit and how they're defining debt. And then just overall a, a common, a commonplace, uh, you know, use of that of that term, but you know there is there is the development of that patchwork nature. Some states are still seeing this as as a loan or trying to fit it within their lending structure, and you know we recognize how difficult it is to create a bespoke regulatory framework. That that is a, a monumental task in and of itself. But to misapply a, an existing regulatory framework to something that just does not fit into it, it ultimately will not serve the consumers. It will increase confusion on you know, what their rights are and, and what the, the ability for the industry to really uh, provide those, those services to those consumers. So we're, we're hopeful that you know, states like Nevada that have, have put forth a bespoke regulatory framework and Missouri, that those pieces of legislation will, will catch fire in 2024 and, and they'll be able to, you know, go to other states and eventually create that, that more unified approach. But, you know, the, the um, earned wage access bill by, by Representative Style was also something that we supported because there again, it created that, that proper bespoke regulatory framework. And so we're hopeful that that there will be some some movement of the, on that in uh, 2024. Someone has to be the leader, right? And and if it's if it's easier to to do that at the state level and then and then drag the federal right um, system along behind you, sometimes that's going to have to be the case. And uh, in other cases here, right, it's clear that right, you are trying to advocate for this at the at the federal level um, and, and get that consistency in place from, from the get go. Uh, Ian, we covered a, a lot of ground here. Is there anything, uh, you know, and I think that, right, I'm scratching down copious notes here as, as we've gone through this. And and one of my takeaways is we need to have you back um, as uh, as this stuff will, you know, you know, evolve in real time, right? And so maybe we try and we get you back in here uh, ne next quarter and, and see how some of these things have shaken out. But is there anything else that, ground that you think we have not covered here as it relates to 2024? There's, I mean, there's a lot of ground that we could cover. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think AI is, is a big buzzword, right. Coming from 2023, but you know, our hope is, is with 2024 that there's, there's careful consideration of what AI uh, legislation as well as AI regulation would actually entail, because these are not, these are not simple concepts. These are not simple technologies. And, and we need to make sure that we're developing a, a responsible regulatory framework, but at the right time. And, you know, thinking about the, the larger conversation on AI has been typically focused on like generative AI. The generative right. AI is, is something that is not necessarily fully functional within financial services. There's been more of a function uh, within machine learning algorithms and the use of, of data and modeling of data to, to provide lower cost access to, to credit. And, you know, that I think 
is a conversation that unfortunately gets conflated at the regulatory and at the, especially at the legislative uh, levels. And there needs to be an understanding that different types of AI, AI is a tool. And ultimately, like any tool, you have to have the right tool for the job. So regulating AI in a comprehensive manner can create difficulties if you don't do it correctly for the specific use cases that may be within financial services. So ultimately, again, you know, we want careful consideration for any regulation. I personally think that we're quite a little bit away from, from having true meaningful legislation come out on AI, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be messaging and positioning bills that, that get put forward. And ultimately the regulators are, are trying to engage with this topic uh, quite wholeheartedly. And, and I think in, in good uh, faith, but they, they really, I think they and, and the industry recognize how difficult the topic really is. Uh, and then secondly, I would say, uh, probably going back to the regulatory modernization side of things, the on the student lending side. So we have in our memberships and student lenders. And what we've found is that there's some technological improvements that are probably needed at the Department of Education. And this is not to single out the Department of Education on its own. I think across the board, we're seeing the need for improved uh, regulatory technology, supervisory technology, you know, the use of APIs to collect data, to make it less burdensome on the compliance side for financial institutions and, and any reporting entity. And then ultimately, you know, use of, of that data and, and analysis that comes from it, leveraging things like machine learning to, to then have better outputs. So, you know, ultimately for the Department of Education, we're seeing that there's difficulties within their data collection and, and providing of the data to loan servicers uh, that, that creates a, a difficult uh, situation for them when they're trying to assess, you know, borrowers repayment and, and ensure that, that that repayment goes quite well for the borrower. Uh, and then, then lastly, I would say um, that debt settlement has been an issue that, I, you know, I'm not looking to pick a fight on anything, but, but debt settlement practices are, you know, they're an area where, you know, we had had conversations with the Bureau, with CFPB, on you know what the the importance of ensuring that there's proper disclosures for consumers to understand when they're engaged with debt settlement companies how how that may impact their credit and you know a lot of our companies that are that are lenders you, uh, people consumers come to them for debt uh, not debt relief but but to consolidate debt and that's a great way to ensure that a consumer's credit score can be benefited, that they, they can get out from under, you know, exorbitant fees and, and uh, you know, high interest and, and be put into responsible credit. And then, you know, ultimately they benefit. But when they're engaged with, with debt settlement companies, there's been a lot of focus on, oh, we'll get you out of this debt and you won't have to pay. And there's not proper disclosure around what that will actually do to a consumer's credit score. And so it can mm. ultimately end up hurting them. And so, you know, we in that in that vein of ensuring that responsible actors are able to exist 
and operate effectively in the market, you know, we want the Bureau to pursue additional uh, data collection on what's happening to consumers. They have the authority to do so. Uh, and then also potentially to, to pursue rulemaking or, or some other supervisory quality for the debt settlement industry. So it's it's a big, you know, interesting mm -hmm. area, but you know, that's something that that we're we're passionate about and ultimately it, it serves consumers and allows them to engage with our our members more effectively and not have to worry about what their, you know, how their credits being affected incorrectly. It seems like in particular on that the debt settlement front there, that's a that's a big one, right? There's a there's a lot to to unpack there, and that feels like that is a a multi year journey to make headway on on something that is that 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 expensive. And you know, can you can you chunk it up and 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 take incremental steps along the way? And, and look, probably probably a similar perspective on 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 the AI front there. That right, it, it, that's one that is you know moving so so darn fast. Um, you you have to. Yeah, you're not going to be able to solve that uh, holistically um, all all at one time. Uh, so you know, can you do can you do pieces along the way? Lots that we covered here. Uh, I greatly appreciate it, Ian. As I said, I think that right having you back to to track some of these areas, right, whether it's BSA, AML, EWA, Fair Credit Reporting, or the AI regulatory modernization and debt settlement, certainly that would be interesting. I think the other thing that would be interesting would be to to unpack this idea of of um, compliance first fintechs and and really kind of drilling down into that, obviously that's a big part of of you know AFC and and, and what you guys are trying to accomplish. Um, I appreciate you coming on, giving us this this you know view into what responsible innovation can be, uh, what pragmatic policy decisions actually look like, um, and and I think that the getting getting into the specifics around avoiding regulatory arbitrage, a situation where there's regulatory arbitrage, creating consistency um, across that, that regulatory environment um, and, and seeing how some of these things play out, right? Whether it's the evolution of exams around third-party risk management or, you know, the, the progression of an, 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 an action and enacting of the, the data privacy rulemaking um, is, uh, is going to be really interesting to see how this, uh, this shakes out in 2024. So Ian, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, great, great perspective. And we look forward to having you back on a, on a future episode. Wonderful. Thanks, Ed. Greatly appreciate it.